So last week we began studying um, the idea of God's providence, what it means, the way that God interacts with the with the universe that He's created, with with the things that are that are uh, simply material things. And now we're going to be kind of pressing in uh, this morning, examining how God create how God interacts or God's interaction with. Uh, with the creatures that he's created, specifically uh, mankind. Um, so we're going to be digging around in a bunch of different places here. Um, <clears throat> I want us. So we're going to start, and I'm going to be I'm going to be reading here uh, Romans chapter eight, verse thirty-eight and thirty-nine. I want this to be kind of foremost in our minds. Um, I want us to have this same assurance, right? So, like, as we as we look at all the like when we when we start considering the idea that God is in fact in control of everything, in spite of the fact that so many things around us, if we were to look at them, would seem to be out of control, right? Like, we know God is in control, right? Is that something that all of us? understand that God is not that God has not lost control of creation that he's that he's set in motion right like we know that to be true in spite of the the clear difficult places the questions that come from well if God's in control then why this why this why this right like we understand that he's in control right we get that or do we think that God's out of that God's lost control like do we think that he's lost control of the creation that he's So, so there's so 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 there's kind of two ends to this. Either God's not in control, or He is in control, right? There's there's really not room for much middle ground because anything less than total control would be a lack of control in some area, right? Um, so when we say that, when we say that God's in control, one of the things, one of the hesitations, I think, to us saying that is that we realize really quickly that there's a lot of things that we can't necessarily give a, a, a an easy and clear answer to. Well, if God's in control, then why? Right? Like, we, we've all been faced with those whys. We've all had people kind of push against us. Well, if, if, if God's so powerful, then why? Right? Like, the biggest of those is, is kind of the problem of evil itself. Like, if God's all-knowing, if God's all-loving, if God's all-good, then why evil? Period. Right, like that's the that's the ultimate big question, um, and I don't want us to think that even that after today we're going to have the answer to all of those those questions. Um, simply not enough time. Um, if, uh, the reality is, if we only spent time on this and we we ask ourselves in a decade, do we have all the answers? We still would not have all the answers, right? So. This is one of those things that we just are we are going to always find ourselves incapable of of getting the sum of all of the things that are around us kind of wrapped up and, and packaged quite neatly. So the way that we should approach answering this um, is that we trust and rely that God is in fact in control and that we can point to um, specifically for me, I, I look towards the cross and the work that God has done there and what Scripture clearly tells us about that being God's plan. We're going to get there today as well and understand that if He can work that, that is, and I could make an argument that that is the most evil act in all of history, right? 
I could. I, th- I don't think that that's even a hard argument to make. That if that is the most evil act in all of history, and Scripture says that it was because of God's plan and the evil actions of men, and and it just says that and leaves it there, then then I think that we can say if that if God can work that for good, then anything lesser than the worst, He could also work th- those things for good as well. Even if I'm incapable, simply because I don't have sufficient time to answer all the whys, right? There may be some of those things, and what we're going to find in in some of the examples that Scripture gives us is some of the whys are decades later, right? And and we, we can't even be guaranteed that we will see or we will live into that point to where we would see that why take place, right? But we know that God is in control of all creation, so ultimately He will see His good purposes in all the things that he's kind of set into motion. So um, let's look. Let's If you're not there yet, go ahead and flip to Romans chapter 8, verse 38. And I want us to, get, I want us to have this kind of, this kind of um, assurance about the God that's, that's working things together for us. So um, Paul here says, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when we consider when we consider the fear as believers to the evil that we see around us, the the ultimate fear there is that something would get in between us and the one in whom we trust to save us, right? To save us from ourselves, to save us from all that we see around us. Um, and I think that we should that we should agree with Paul and what he's saying here that we should be sure as well that that life can't that death can't that the angels can't that's that's spiritual beings nor the rulers right that's earthly beings nor things present that's the problems that we have in front of us today nor things to come that's the things that we oftentimes put our worries in the future we don't know what's coming we don't have to worry about those things separating us from God nor powers nor height nor depth there's no height that we could go there's no depth that we could be plunged in any of these troubles in any peril in any uh, strife that's going to separate us nor anything in all creation how can we be how can we know this to be true, right? How can we know that there's nothing in all creation that will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? He created it, and He, he orchestrated history around the cross, right? Ultimately, we can see that in the, in the work of Christ in redeeming creation, in, re, in redeeming humanity, like we can ultimately see that God who started it is, in, is still in control of it, right? Like we see that in the work that we, that we see God doing uh, throughout redemptive history. So now I want to take us and I want us to look at various, we've got several places in Scripture that I want us to look, um, and I want us to keep these things in mind. Like I want us to, I want us to, to get that Scripture makes it clear that God is in control over creation. So go with me, and we're gonna we're gonna probably roll through several of these really quickly, and then we're towards the end we're gonna kind of slow down a little bit um, and and start asking some some questions. So uh, flip with me to Psalm one thirty nine, and kind of get ready to be flipping around 
because this is gonna this is come gonna come fast, right? So, uh, Psalm one thirty nine, verse sixteen. Your your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. All right, now I want us to think. Of, I want us to think about that. So God saw His unformed substance, and in God's book were written what? So is God unsure of what tomorrow looks like for you? Is God unsure of the troubles that are coming for you tomorrow? Is He? No. Like, like, why? Because He has them written down already. So before they were. To God they are, right? So before you stepped into that day, Scripture would say to us that God knows now. Knows now, right? Because He has them written in His book, right? So God has set forth a plan. God's plan is written and it is uh, as good as His Word to us. Job chapter 14 now flip there. So Job 14 and 5. Since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you, and you have appointed his limits and he cannot pass. Right? So, uh, and some of these were kind of jumping into the context of these, so I would... I would uh, highly recommend you go back and spend some time um, kind of uh, digging in for yourself, finding the context uh, that that some of these uh, passages are are in. But what would this seem to indicate about the His that He's speaking of here? Since His days are what? Numbered or determined and the number of His months is with you. What what does that mean? Like His his life is what? Like the, the span of His life is is known, right? And you have appointed His limits that He cannot pass. So who is, for each and every one of us, what can we be confident in that the last moment of our day was, the last moment of our life was planned by who? What does that mean, right? Like as we consider that, like can you step one moment beyond that moment that He set for you? Will you come one moment short of that? Now consider the way in which that day happens, right? Like I want us to think about that. Like that's really where the difficulty comes. Like none of us, none of us really have an issue. We all know that we're going to die, but we would all like to die like gracefully and easily, right? Like, like let me go to sleep and just wake up in heaven is the way. But that's not the case, right? Like, consider most of the, the early church, the persecution that came upon these people, right? Like, it was, it was persecu- death to persecution, by persecution, right? Like, for large portions of the church, even today, like, to believe the truth that we preach about Christ is to put your very life at risk. Life, like, it risks in such a way that those who will persecute you are not going to say, would you like to die comfortably at an old age? No, no, no. You, 
you must reject this belief or die by sword, die by violence. And what we're saying, what Scripture would seem to say to us, is that even in those moments, those moments, God has set forward for us, right? And that's the. Yeah, and here's the here's the thing that I want us to get it. So like, as we start considering this, because like this is where like when we start thinking about that, we think about like what we would call the untimely, right? Like like it happened too early, or they were too young, or this, that, and the other. Um, well, if God is all powerful, then He could have stopped that moment, right? Like, he could have intervened in that moment, right? So, like, God can intervene to move us forward, right? And there's times that that happens. Some might have cancer, and it might be a, it might be a medical miracle that you live in a day and age where those type things could be treated, right? Or medicine may have nothing for you, and you may be miraculously healed by, by means that would be uh, miraculous even to modern medicine, right? Or you could die from that cancer. Right? You could. In each and every one of those situations, God has numbered the days, right? So here's the thing. like We have a problem with the shortness of life. Right? Because they none, none of you that want to live so long that you're laid up in a bed for a decade and a half. Right? Like you want to you want to grow old, you want to go out gracefully. Right? Death is a reminder to us. Whether it's whether it's early or whether it's late, because we see death ultimately as that thing that seems wrong. Right? Like it's the it's it's death. Ultimately, it is. But here's the thing: if there is no God, if all there is 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 matter and energy moving in time, then none of that actually matters. No more than a rock rolling down a hill. No more than the wind blowing. No more than the randomness that's happening on the farthest star. Right? Like none of that ultimately matters if there is no meaning. If there is no purpose. If there is no plan, right? So like, ultimately, we can have no problem with death at all. Whether it's a young, whether it's a death that seems early, or whether it's a death that seems right on time, we can have no problem with death at all, unless we see death itself as a problem, right? And we naturally do. We naturally do. Why? Why? Everything around us that we see dies. That is the most normal of things. Right? Do we get that? Like in, in my situation, I was young and I was involved in an accident where the person I was with was 19 and he died and I didn't. And it could have just as easily been me. And this scripture in Job is what brought me comfort mm-hmm. is that 
he passed away because his days were numbered. The the purpose for his life had been completed. I did not die, and I could have gone to a place of guilt with that, but instead it was this scripture that allowed me to um, refocus why why am I still here? It's for a purpose, and like continue continue on in that because because death is a reality. Yeah. Whether you're 19 or 17 or, or 107, like it's it's going to happen. And this scripture, instead of making us uncomfortable, should bring us comfort. It should. It should. So here's the thing that the thing that strikes me as strange is. For now, for for believers, clearly, like like death is not the end, and we realize that death is not the end, right? So we we can we can we can look at death as, in a different light than those who might think that 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 it it is the end, right? Because ultimately, for the one who would hold that view, is that there will be a day guaranteed, right? It is it is factually impossible for you to live on Earth forever. Because the sun will burn out one day. Right? Life will not live here, barring intervention. Right? Well, follow, follow me here. So, so death is the norm. Right? Death is the, the like, two, two guarantees, right? Death and taxes. Right? So death is a guarantee... So the thing that the thing that strikes me as strange is if that's so normal, why then is it such a visceral reaction to it, right? Because we live every day as though death is not normal, right? We live every day as though tomorrow is a guarantee, right? Like you are built in such a way that you don't just constantly worry about death. And if you did, we would say there's some like you we've got we need to get some mental health, right? Right? So like you your your body, the normal functioning human body does not worry about death in every given moment. But every moment that you have, your breath comes from who? So when God decides to take back the breath for which he's given you, what can you say? Well, the, but the, this tells us that he doesn't just arbitrarily yes. decide to yes. do that. Yes, like It's all a part of his plan and purpose. And this is a big deal. Yes. It's not like just like, oh, they did this, I'm going to take their breath away. Like, yes. It's not because of something that we do. Like, we don't have to fear it in that way. Yeah, like God's not going to... Now, he may smite you. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I'm not saying that he, but he hasn't been known to do that from time to time. <laughs> right, <laughs> but that's not his. That's that's not the norm, right? <laughs> Is the, it, it, here's what's crazy. Even when he smites you, that day was a numbered day, right? Right. Right. I was with a lady yesterday, and like her question was not why to young, but hers was like why not sooner. Mm. She was on the other end of that. She yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and so I mean, it's it's we're gonna find a question. Yeah, like everyone that you know is dead and gone, right? You f- you find people on both ends, right? Where it's like, like, of, like, and most of us are not at a place yet where we would be asking the the other end of that spectrum question, like, why am I still here? Why are you not? 
You know, right? Like most of us are not there. Most of us are like, we like living. Life's pretty good even in spite of the, the negative things that happen. So we'd like another yes, please. Right? Like, like that's the way that... That's the way that we tend to... But here's what's, here's what's crazy, and we see this throughout, right? Even like, and I can't remember the exact spot in Ephesians, or not Ephesians, but uh, Ecclesiastes, where the idea is that if you live too long, nobody wants to live anymore, yeah. right? Like, that's the reality, because these types... So, like, so God is wise in the numbering of our days, right? Like, that's what we need to, that's what we need to like, come to grips with, is that whether we feel our days are short, or whether we feel our days... Uh, or have have gone on for too long. Like God is the one who has wisely chosen those, right? And it's not just about you, right? Like God's work is not simply just about you. God's doing a bigger thing than any one of us individually, right? And we are playing into that greater master plan, ultimately that will glorify Him, right? Like. Like, our glory is not, like, task number one for God. God's glory is His number one goal. And He will achieve that goal, right? And He will use all of His creation to achieve that goal. And we, trusting and resting in that, can, 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 can get that He's working those things together for our good as believers as well. So, uh, let's continue pressing on. We, I heard the bell ring. We definitely won't finish up today either. I want us to get through. Uh, I want us to get through the first kind of run of these passages of text, though, so that next week we can kind of we can kind of start drilling in and focusing in on some of the some of the harder questions. So uh, flip with me to uh, Jer- the the book of Jeremiah. So uh, Jeremiah, we're going to look at chapter um, one, verse fifteen. Uh, first, for behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdom of the north, declares the Lord, and they shall come, and every one shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Ju- Judah, and I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil forsaking me. Um, and that they have made offerings to other gods, worship the works of their own hands. But you, dress yourself for work, arise and say to them, uh, everything I have commanded you, don't be dismayed uh, by them, lest I dismay you before them. Go on, continue, re- go, continue reading that um, y- yourself. But I want you to look at that. Who is, who is leading the kingdoms here? Who's moving? Not only does God move individually in individual lives, but He's moving kingdoms here. He's stirring the hearts of kingdoms here. Right? So God has control of individuals. God has control of the groups that those individuals make up. What does that mean? Does that mean that, that God directs your paths as a person? God directs the paths of nations. Nations rise and fall at His command, right? Like there's nothing. Whether we combine our forces together, we cannot together overpower the will of God, nor can we as individuals step outside of the paths that He's set for us. Who's in control of all of His creation? God is in control of all of His creation. Jeremiah um, chapter 10. Uh, flip, flip there with me. Ten twenty-three. 
I know, Lord, that the way of a man is not in himself, that it is not in that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. What would be inferred by that statement? So if, if he's speaking, if he's saying, I know, O Lord, that the way of a man is not in himself, then it's outside of himself, right? That it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. Who then is it inferred is directing the steps of man? The Lord, right? The Lord, clearly. Um, Proverb. Um, let's go now. Look with me at the book of Proverbs in in chapter sixteen. Sixteen and one says, "The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from who." The Lord. Look down in verse 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Again, this idea of God directing the path, right? So you can, you can have all the plans that you want. If God leads your steps in a different direction, what then will be made of your plans? Right? So who is the one who establishes the steps of man here? The Lord, yes. So flip with me to Proverbs chapter 20. Hold on. Yeah. 20 and verse 24. A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can a man understand his way? So again, who's... Who who guides the the path of a man? The Lord, right? And then he asks the question, how then can a man understand his way, right? So like clearly like scripture makes makes um makes it known to us that in God's leading we are not guaranteed the answers to the why in this lifetime, right? So like God is directing our steps, we will be confused at times, right? We will be confused at times. But here's the thing, like like we rest in knowing that He is good, He is wise, He is kind, He is guiding our steps. No matter where we step from day to day, we trust in the promises of God that He is working all things together for our good and His glory. Right? Like we trust in that when we when we are find ourselves in these places where we don't know, we don't understand our way. We trust that God is guiding our steps. Right? So Proverbs chapter 21 now. Proverbs 21 and 1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the, land, in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. So again, if, if God's if God's directing the heart of a king, what is he doing? Is he directing only the individual's heart? He's directing the kingdom itself, right? So God works in the individual and he works in the in the whole, right? So who's who consider what this means here? The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. So if God directs a king or a leader in a direction, where will that leader go? Where he directs, right? Can God direct the heart of a leader? 
clearly Scripture would say that that's the case. Uh, now let's flip to the book of Philippians. We're going to be in Philippians. Let's look at chapter 2. I'm going to look... Um, We're going to start in verse 12. Verse 13 is specifically where we're going to be looking at here. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So who works in you? And how? in what way does He work? In your desires and your actions, right? So as God's, as the heart of a king is like a stream of water in the hands of the Lord, what is the heart of any individual believer, right? Is he not doing the same thing? Is that not what this passage is telling us? That God works in you both to will. What is that? That's your desire. That's your wants, right? God works in your heart, believer, to want what He wants. This is a, this should be a great comfort. If you find yourself in a place where you're like, I'm constantly stumbling over this, I'm constantly finding myself where I'm not in a place that I think that God would be satisfied with me, I find myself in the same traps, in the same snares, in the same sins, God can and will work to change your desires. Right? He will do that. And out of your desires comes your actions. So if He's shaping your will, He's most definitely shaping your actions. Um, So next week, we're going to be spending a little bit of time um, in Genesis. Um, We'll probably spend... um, So flip. I want us to flip uh, real quickly. Flip to Genesis chapter... Uh, 45. We're going to look at a couple of passages of text. Um, we'll explore this kind of in the greater context of, of where we find ourselves in this story. Um, like I say, Scripture gives us evidence of God working even in evil actions of others, ultimately for His good. Um, I don't think any of us would desire the story of, of Joseph at the beginning especially. Right, and I don't think that any of us like I've I've heard people say, yeah, but he was like the highest in the house of Potiphar, or or you know, like at every step along the way, like he's not in good situations until the end, right? Like as an old man, how many like he's older than many of us in this room today? How many of you would would like to be in prison or in slavery for the next like decade or so, right? So that at the very end of your life, things can be good, right? Like most of us want it good the whole way through, right? What if it started bad and the the middle was bad and it was the very end where you realized that all of that that had happened that whole time was for an ultimate greater good that even you agreed with, right? Like most of us, in the moment that you're that you're in those hard situations, are not thinking about a decade from now, right? 
We don't. That's why a lot of the problems that we face when it comes to evil, we're thinking about now, and we're not thinking about a year from now. We're not thinking about a decade from now. We're not thinking about how that's going to shape the next generation, right? Like we think very much in short-term, um, with, short, with short-term ideas. Um, I want us to take a note from Joseph when he's speaking with his, with his brothers. And now, verse 5 of chapter 45. And now, don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before to preserve your life. So they sold him into slavery. They committed sin in lying, in stealing, in... It, this they they essentially betrayed their brother in, in the worst way that you could that you could imagine and and ultimately Joseph saying that God sent me right he's not he's not alleviating them from the sinful actions that they took but he's saying he he's saying yeah you sold me here right so did they sin in in selling him yes God sent me here. Right, So there was an evil action of sin on their part, and yet he can say, God sent me before to preserve life. Right? Um, if we look in chapter 50, he makes the same kind of, uh, the same kind of statement. And we'll, we'll, end, we'll end with this. We'll come back next week and spend some time um, <clears throat> digging into this, uh, the, these ideas that we find here. Um, so... Chapter 50 of the book of Genesis, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Right? So what is God working through the evil that takes place in Joseph's life? Ultimately, good. Right? Do we? Here, another question. Do we find Joseph here, like, could he, could he be bitter against his brothers for what they did? Right? Could he be? Right. Would he be? Would we consider him justified in being upset with them and the actions that they took? So what? What's taking place in? Because that's where we would likely most of us still be, right? Like we're we're like, yeah, I'm powerful now. Sorry for you. It's going to be a bad day, right? <laughs> That's how we would most of us act in that situation. But something happened. Something happened in his life that when he faces this moment, like he plays some games with them along the way, but even in watching their reaction, he feels bad <laughs> about scaring them to the point that he breaks down in tears at one point, right? Well, God also sent him to dream. Yes. Way ahead of time. Yeah, but still, right? But still, like, so, like, what Brittany's alluding to is, like, before they, before he sold into slavery, you, we get, like, a, a verse, two verses, to where, like, there's the, it, but here's the thing, that's a vague dream, right? Like, like, I'm super, I'm definitely not, like, planning my life as Joseph as it happening in the way that it happens because I see some, like, some weird vision of, like, people, like, these, like, these, these things bowing down before me, like, like, I'm not seeing everything that takes place. I'm saying, hey, tomorrow, guys, this is what's taking place. Not like y'all are going to sell me into slavery. Right? Yes. Yes, no doubt. Like, he's yeah. back and maybe in that moment instead of thinking, hey, I'm going to be vengeful. He yeah, life. absolutely. And I think that I think that Scripture shows us that as well because, like, at the beginning when Joseph has his dream, he's the he's the like he's like, hey guys, just get this. What I dreamed last night, and they're like, 
Are you serious? Like, why would you even tell us that dream, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's not. That's because that's because even in the midst of those things that we would consider evil and unjust, God is working the heart of the believer, right? So, like, that's what happens. So, here's the thing. I, I, we'll, we'll get back on this next week. But, but get this. Is that you may be in one of those places that ten years from now you'll look back on this moment differently than you look on it now. God shapes our hearts to that. And He does that. He does that through those events as well, right? Because He's wise in doing that. When it says that, that, our, that the heart of the king is like a stream in, in, in his hands, like God's working through those things that we experience to shape and mold our hearts, right? And I guess thinking about a stream, it's never straight. Yeah, it's not, right? Right? And he's, but He's wise. He's wise in this. So we'll, we'll close quickly in prayer um, and then we'll, we'll 